the Slaughter in May podcast. Hello, my name's Gillian Fairfield and I'm joined on this podcast by my colleague Ian Brown, where we will be focusing on all things to do with remuneration in the current COVID crisis. Ian, I think that it's fair to say that furloughing staff has, if anything, increased the focus on executive pay, which was pretty high in any event. What have we seen in the market on this generally? It's certainly true that furloughing staff and the consequent reductions in people's wages is going to sharpen the focus on what's going on in the boardroom. And in response to that, what we've seen is a number of boards either defer or waive some part of their fixed or variable remuneration. Now, where a company has been furloughing employees, most commonly directors have taken a 20% uh, pay cut to align with the 20% pay reduction that has been borne by employees under the government's job retention scheme. Now, some companies in the transport sector have gone further than that. Some companies have gone less. And there's no absolute cut-out-and-keep approach. Um, What each company is trying to do is weigh up a couple of factors, um, retain and motivate employees through some pretty exceptional times, um, keep shareholders and other stakeholders on side, and of course ensure that the business is in a good place and crucially has enough cash to come out the other side. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough balancing act to do, isn't it? Because you're almost talking about doing a balancing act between, on the one hand, incentivising top management during what are unprecedentedly challenging times, I would say, but at the same time needing to ensure that executive pay doesn't stray out of kilter vis-a-vis other shareholders. Now, I know that the IA have put out guidance recently, um, which actually was in response to demands from remuneration committees, um, and their guidance set out what they believe shareholders expect to see as regards exec remuneration during COVID. Can we start with dividends? So where companies have cancelled or slashed or deferred their dividend, What's the expectation as regards executive pay in those situations where shareholders are clearly not seeing the returns that they would otherwise be getting? Well, there's no blanket ban on bonuses from the IA at any event. What the IA is very clear about is that companies should consider their own circumstances and it's very much a case-by-case judgment. But the headline is that where the company has taken what I'd call other people's money, um, whether that be through pay reductions of employees through the coronavirus job retention scheme or from shareholders through a rights issue, then shareholders expect to see that reflected in executive pay decisions as well. Mm. But what about performance conditions for annual bonuses? Now, inevitably, the IA uses the term discretion. I mean, is the expectation here that there is discretion, but it should always be exercised downwards? Well, I mean, um, shareholders are always going to uh, want the direction of travel uh, to be one way. Um, But it doesn't have to be the case. Um, Conceptually, a discretion that's properly framed and drafted... um, could be used to alter outcomes in either direction to deliver the right result 
in inverted commas. Um, I'd say there are two absolutely key points to bear in mind. Firstly, I think shareholders are going to be initially nervous about upwards adjustment. So companies need to be very sure of uh, their rationale for an upwards adjustment and be prepared to justify um, that approach in public. And, And secondly, whichever way discretion is applied, up or down, Uh, it's going to run the risk of legal challenge, either by shareholders or by management. So Remco's really need to be careful that they have the full picture in front of them uh, before making any substantive decision. Yeah, well, Remco's, as ever, they have a tough job ahead of them. But uh, isn't it also the case that depressed share prices could actually mean that some execs get a, an absolute windfall where 2020 LTIPs have already been granted? I mean, what, what do you think Remcoms should be doing in response to that issue? Well, I mean, that's actually been a major concern of a number of Remcos that we've been talking to. But I think there are ways to address that. Um, you'll recall that when the... UK Corporate Governance Code was revised back in 2018, um, the new code introduced a new requirement to introduce a discretion into plan rules that allowed Remco's to override the formulaic outcome of long-term incentive awards. So committees will commonly have the discretion to tweak the vesting level where there have been so uh, supposed Um, windfall gains and we've seen a number of companies explicitly refer to that discretion in the stock market announcement that they've put out when they announce the awards to shareholders. Now again you've got the same issues with the legal challenges to discretion so it's good practice I think to have a solid audit trail that the exercise of that discretion Uh, was countenanced right at the outset when the awards were first being considered. But but also, I mean, I think it's too easy in the current circumstances to assume that everybody um, who is suffering share price underperformance would attribute it to COVID. But presumably there are still companies who partially would be able to attribute a share price fall to COVID. But there are other factors as well. Does that make a difference? Absolutely. We've actually been back to the IA to discuss that and they are quite relaxed about share prices which have solely been affected by COVID. Their real concern is where the share price instead reflects some other form of share price underperformance for which management might be considered to bear responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense, absolutely. Um, an awful lot of companies are due to be refreshing their policy at the moment. But do you think it's fair to say, I mean, does COVID make it too difficult to set meaningful three-year targets? And if companies are in that position, um, what, what should they do? I mean, how is this going to affect, for example, performance conditions? I think to a certain extent... That depends on what performance conditions you're talking about. For example, uh, if you are looking at a relative total shareholder return metric, um, you could make an argument that it is by its nature self-adjusting. 
where you have financial targets, I appreciate that there's that there's going to be more uncertainty. Um, that said, um, most companies, in my experience, are continuing to make awards. That's because they either feel that the long-term targets um, against which performance will be judged um, will be assessing performance in 2022 and 2023 when hopefully things look um, a bit more normal or because they feel they have the ability to get the right, in inverted commas, answer on vesting either because of the formulaic override discretion that we've been talking about or because of the ability to adjust the conditions post-grant using terms that are commonly found in uh, long-term incentive plans to address exceptional circumstances like the times we're we're living through now. Um, Of course, another way around the problem is to completely revisit the idea of the long-term incentive plan. Over the past couple of years, we've seen a number of companies, including FTSE 100 companies, move away from the standard performance share plan model, where awards vest subject to three-year performance targets, as you say, to more of a restricted share plan model, where the receipt of the shares is subject to the um, director's ongoing service and some lighter touch um, performance underpins. Okay, well, that's interesting. I mean, in terms of one of the other things that I, I think we've seen has been the notion of shares for employees who have sacrificed salary, you know, whether that's because of... Um, uh, furloughing, meaning that they're only getting 80% of their salary or otherwise. Um, I think we've seen a couple of companies do this. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, I know it's something um, a number of our clients have looked at. And the idea, in essence, is where an individual has voluntarily taken a pay cut, they receive, in lieu of that, a share award or number of shares equal to the value of that that pay reduction and these shares are newly issued so they give the company the ability to deliver value to employees with no effective cash cost to itself which is evidently uh, an interesting proposition to um, a company which is uh, in distress so far as um, cash is concerned. And yeah, it's clearly um, attractive in the current circumstances, isn't it? But it, I mean, if we've got, if we're talking about employees who have sacrificed salary, um, of course, if they were getting cash, they would just get it outright. I mean, is it, is, is it the case that the shares are being issued outright? Or do you think we should expect them to fall under usual share scheme rules of good lever and bad lever? It's basically a commercial call. You can do it either way. Some of our uh, clients who've been looking at this have um, operated under employee share plans that they already have in place. Now, um, that has the advantage of um, it being a relatively straightforward approach because they have all the structures in place. Um, Now, the challenge to um, 
using a um, employee share plan is that commonly those plans will have good and bad lever um, events, um, which mean that um, an individual who leaves um, look um, doesn't receive the value of the shares um, because they haven't fulfilled the necessary service requirement. But our clients have actually seen that as something of an advantage uh, in that um, it adds a retentive element into the structure. There's no getting away from the fact that um, if you have a share award that is subject to ongoing um, service conditions, then it is not absolutely on all fours with um, receiving additional salary. No, but it's it's a useful method of retaining people and motivating them to stay at a time when uh, otherwise companies are facing tough circumstances. Absolutely. But if companies are minded to move away from using one of their existing share plans or they don't have a share plan in place that they can use off the shelf, as it were, then it is still possible to deliver those new issue shares using the company's standard uh, disapplication from preemption rights authority that the company will normally have uh, sought approval for at the last AGM. Yeah, so a straightforward issue is possible then. It doesn't need to be done under a share scheme. Absolutely not. Thanks, Ian. I think that's all we wanted to cover today. So thank you for listening. And if you've got any questions, please don't hesitate to contact your usual Slaughter and May contact. For more information on this topic or to hear our other podcasts, please visit www.slaughterandmay.com. You can also subscribe to the Slaughter and May podcast on iTunes or Google Play.